And then Riley needs help on tech. So if you have fingers and you can confidently push a button, he will teach you everything else you need to know. Okay, so go talk to Caroline or Riley about getting uh, set up for that. Also, and lastly, on August 13th, during the kids' uh, ministry training, for those who are interested in uh, taking the next step in membership at the branch, we'll be hosting a next steps class simultaneously with the kids' volunteer training. So I know a number of you have reached out and be like, hey, we don't want to wait until the end of September to do uh, the next steps class. So we're going to have one uh, on August the 18th as well, So or August, August the 13th. And uh, we'll send something out in email so you can get signed up for that, okay? All right, um, one more. Today is the fifth Sunday, which in the life of the branch is a family Sunday. So here's what that means. Um, kids from basically four on up are invited into the room. So we only have one um, class today for birth through three. So parents in the room, I'm going to speak to you quick, and then kids, I'm going to speak to you separately, and all everybody else, you'll follow along, okay? Parents, we're okay with disruption, Okay? If your kid starts getting restly, it's okay. This is a safe space. We want them to be in here. Um, and, and I'll kind of guide through that here in a second. Kids in the room, welcome. We're glad you're here. We love you. We pray for you often. Every time we see you scurry out those doors, we're praying that you don't take a right, you, that you take a left. Okay? So we're thankful that you're a part of our church. And, you know, so much of what we do at the branch is we're trying to invite everyone, but our kids in particular, into we're not looking to baptize kids when they're six years old, okay? Although that's a beautiful gift from the Lord. We want to see kids become 40-year-old Christians who are loving and leading their own families. We want to see godly husbands and godly wives raised up. And so our, our goal is not to have like the largest, coolest kids ministry, but to have gospel-rooted discipleship. And so that kids, when they go off to college— that their faith is rooted and, you know, the first uh, speed bump that comes their way doesn't alter uh, the trajectory of their life. And so we're glad that you're in here. Everyone else just, uh, we're good with you being here, kids, so make yourself at home. All right? Okay, if you have your Bible, on page 80, in my Bible, it's page 80, uh, it's Exodus chapter 40. So if you get to Leviticus, you're close. It's probably on the same page. It is in my Bible, Exodus chapter 40. And before I read, I kind of want to just give us a quick recap. I think there are a few things that are interesting. If you're new to the branch, my name's Stephen. I'm sorry I didn't do that at the beginning. Um, I'm really terrible about doing that weekly. Um, I serve as our lead pastor. I'm one of the elders. And um, we have, over the course of 60 weeks, been walking verse by verse through the book of Exodus. And today is the end of that. And so starting next week, we're going to do a four-week primer on Acts before we jump into the prison epistles. We're going to start with Ephesians, and then we'll come back into Acts for a week or two, and then we're going to jump into Philippians. So we'll, we'll kind of, that'll be the rhythm over the course of the next year. And so we're really excited about this uh, next season in our church. But we've spent 60 weeks with a few interruptions with Advent and Easter um, along the way, but 60 weeks we've spent talking through 40 chapters of God's Word. And so you're like, why? Like, is it a competition to see if you can beat Ben Conley's church? No, it's not. We believe very deeply, very robustly that God's Word matters. And everything that we do centers on that as the foundation. He has given us His Word as a gift, and it's fruitful and it's profitable. And so we've spent time in family groups studying, we've spent time on Sunday mornings studying, and literally, you can now say that you have read every verse of the book of Exodus, 
Okay? And again, not that that's a prop to you, but now it's, you see the beauty and the fullness of what God's doing in redemptive history through this story. And so what our goal was, was to point to God's nature and his character, to see his faithfulness, to see fruitfulness in his people, to see a people who'd been suffering for a long time uh, in Egypt, who were set free, not just from the bondage of slavery, but eventually from the bondage of sin. And now we see our own story being written in through the story of Exodus. The story of Exodus really is the story of us as we're set free not from Egypt, but we're set free from sin and death and and made new through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The ultimate and final, the only sufficient sacrifice. And so I pray, it has been our prayer really from the very beginning, that this book would be fruitful in your life. And so I hope that it has been. It has been for me. It's been, a, it's been challenging to teach. There have been weeks where it's been like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And yet the commitment was just to be faithful and to keep pointing back to God's Word. So if you learned one thing, if you get one thing in 60 weeks of studying every verse, every word of Exodus, it would be this, that God is faithful to keep His promises. He made a promise a long time ago to restore his people, to reconcile his people to himself. And while they wandered through the wilderness, eventually make it to the promised land, that wasn't the goal. The goal was the presence of himself. And he fulfills that in Jesus, that God relentlessly pursues his people. I hope that you've seen that clearly. So before we read Exodus 40, I want to read from Exodus chapter 29, and, um, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, Exodus 29, verse 43 says this, I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. Talking about the tabernacle. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. So in this repetition, even in these verses, we see that God's real point was to prove to his people that he is worthy of their attention, that he is worthy of their praise, that he is worthy of glory. And Israel had a hard time with that. And the story that we see is that God never gave up on his people. No matter what decisions they made, no matter what sin entered their life, his commitment never changed. And he relentlessly relentlessly pursued them uh, throughout this entire book. From a basket, through the desert, a sea that crashed on their enemy, to hunger pains. All of these ways God has provided and pursued his people. So let's read now the last verses of the book of Exodus Exodus 40, verse 1. I'm going to read the entire chapter, okay? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you you shall put it in the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with a veil. And you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar. 
and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Verse 9, then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stands and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him and he may serve me, that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may serve me as priests, and their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did. You see that? Moses was obedient. This Moses did. According to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses." He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. Do you see this refrain? As the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded. Verse 28, he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the, ta- at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. And all God's people said... Amen. Listen to verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord, what does it say? Filled it. Filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Let's pray together. 
Father, we're very thankful for your faithfulness to your people. We're thankful for the word that you have given us. Through your grace, you've given us every line of the book of Exodus, that it may grow us into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And so I pray that over the course of these 60 weeks, that it wasn't futile work, that it was deep, fruitful, rigorous formation of our hearts, minds, and soul after you. And so I pray that we would rise up as a people, a people of obedience, a people of faithfulness, of courage and conviction, that we would lean in on the greater tabernacle of Jesus, the greater Moses, Jesus, as our guide, as our savior, as our example. So we love you and we trust you and um, we pray that in all things, that everything we do would bring glory to your name, that your glory would fill this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not going to, this will be short because I know that there's kids in the room and some of you are like, okay, we're done. Can we just be done? You know, we've got group leader training and all these things, but I just want to leave you with a few thoughts on the book of Exodus and as would be appropriate, a Philip Ryken quote. Okay, I made sure to insert one of those this week. If you haven't been around, we typically don't do this. It's, it's usually, we, yeah, we do. We do it for 60 weeks in a row. But um, what, what is interesting is this passage, Exodus 40, gets set up, is that there's a very specific time frame involved, that Moses had set up the tabernacle on the one-year anniversary of the exodus out of Egypt. And that would forever be a reminder to the people of Israel that God was for them. And just like Israel has this reminder, we too have a reminder, not in the image of a tent or fancy furniture inside of a church, but of an empty tomb where there is no body. And our reminder is that Christ has come as the perfect tabernacle, as the perfect sacrifice, blood spilled one time for all of time so that we could be brought near. What was broken has been restored. That is the story of Exodus. Ultimately, that's the story of the gospel. And so if you're not a Christian, if you're new to church, this is what we are about. We are about broken things becoming whole things. We are about dead things becoming living things of no work of our own. We could fashion the prettiest church in all of Lumpkin County and still be far from God, just like the people of Israel. They did all of the details, but until God had decided for his glory to dwell in their midst, their work was worthless. Now, it was worth a lot in this grand scheme of earthly things because there was tons of golds and fine twined linens and all the things, right? But until God had descended, until he had decided to be with his people, it was just stuff. It might as well have been plastic, polyester. But it wasn't. Until this moment, God is now with his people. Notice the word that is used over and over and over again about his presence. It didn't just enter one area. It filled the entire place. And this is what happens in our lives. This is what happens with the body of Christ. 
There isn't a square inch in the room that God doesn't look at and say, that's mine. There's also not a square inch in the entire universe that God doesn't reign over in supreme authority in his sovereignty, which basically means that he's in control. He created and controls all things for one purpose, for his glory. And now he has, in his grace, decided to use us, just like he decided to use Moses. Could he have brought his presence without Moses? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet he chose to use a broken, murdering, I'm going to stop there, person. He chose to use one of us to lead his people from bondage to freedom. The tabernacle, though, now is finally built. It's finally erected. We've spent the last couple of months walking through the instructions for the tabernacle and then the construction of the tabernacle. And now it's over. The furniture's in place. The garments, are, everything's anointed. They were so close. Moses had done everything that God had commanded him. And until verse 34, there was still that one thing missing. And it was the glory of the presence of God. And when the presence of God had come, that promise had been fulfilled. Again and again and again and again. And so fast forward to the life of Christ. Fast forward even now to our day. What does that look like? What does it mean? Why do we care? We care because God is faithful to restore his people to himself. And just so, just so we're very clear in here, there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do to gain God's favor. All of his favor is issued through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that was true for Moses. It was true for Israel. It's true for David. It's true for all the prophets. It's true for the disciples. It's true for the apostles. And it's true for us. Here's your Riken quote. It's the last one. Well, until we start Ephesians, okay? It's the last Exodus Riken quote. He says this, Everything was in place. The only thing missing was the one thing everyone wanted to see, the glorious presence of God. This was not something that Moses could set in place. With the right instructions, he could put the tabernacle together, but only God could fill it with his glory. So what does that mean for us, church? We can partner with awesome organizations. We can give them all of our money. But until God decides to do something, we're just busy bees. And the greatest threat to the Christian church in this country is busy Christians. We're constantly worried. We're tinkering. We're building sweet garments. We're grand cathedrals, all of the things. And yet we're missed the gospel. We miss the very presence of God. And so I pray that throughout this story that we've seen God dwells with his people. God draws us out to draw us in. That is the story of Exodus. Ultimately, God keeps his promises, and in his glory, he comes to dwell among us, me and you. Do you know us? Thank you, Thomas. I'm glad you're back. 
Thomas is always faithful to encourage me along the way. But he chooses to dwell with us, to be with us. Not in spite of our sin, but because Christ has restored us. The glory in the tabernacle was the climax of Exodus. This is the pinnacle. It's the mountain top. It's Mount Everest in the book of Exodus. The glory had come in the tabernacle. But it's not the climax of the redemption story. Because there was still, your next page in your Bible is what? Hello. It's Leviticus. The story is still being written in Leviticus. Leviticus is hard. Okay? There's a lot of blood being spilled throughout this book. So the work was still in progress. It was only the tabernacle, the glory in the tabernacle was only a glimmer of the glory to come through the life of Jesus. This is what all of God's Word is about. From the beginning, when God spoke into creation, it was to bring glory to Himself through His Son, Jesus, and the power of His Spirit. Our sin doesn't catch Him off guard, although it might sometimes catch us off guard, doesn't it? We fool everyone around us, but we cannot fool God. So here are a few things that I want to leave us with. The most important thing for us in Exodus, right? We, we said this a million times. Well, maybe 60 times. We can't understand Exodus theologically until we've understood it Christologically. Glad you guys were paying attention. We're going to start over next week, actually. So how do we see the gospel in the book of Exodus? Here you go. Jesus is the Moses of our salvation the true and better mediator who goes before God on our behalf. I hope you've seen that through our study of this book. Jesus is the lamb of our Passover. He's the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our way out of Egypt. He's the deliverer who baptizes us into the sea of his grace. Jesus is our bread in the wilderness the provider who gives us what we need for daily life. Jesus is our voice from the mountain, declaring his law for our lives. Jesus is the altar of our burnt offering through whom we offer praise to God. Jesus is the light of our lampstand, the source of our life and our light. Jesus is the basin of our cleansing, and the sanctifier of our souls. Jesus is our great high priest who prays for us without ceasing at the altar of incense. Jesus is the blood on the mercy seat, the final atonement that reconciles us to God. The great God of Exodus has saved us through Jesus. That's the story of Exodus. That is the gospel according to to Exodus. So three things that I'm going to leave you with. That the great God of Exodus is the only one who can do these things. He's the only one who can rescue us from the Egypt in our life, from our sin. He's the only one who can do that. I hope you hear that. The second is that he is the only one who can redeem us through the blood of the Lamb, capital L. And finally, 
The great God of the Exodus is the only one who can receive us into his everlasting glory. There is coming a day. There is coming a day when all things are made new. All things that I'm made new. That you are made new. Kids in the room, that you are made new. And all will be made right. Because now we are finally and forever in the presence of a good and gracious God. That is the story of Exodus. That's the story of us. You know, one word, this was in your guide, if you read it, was Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. And so as we close, I want to close with us saying Emmanuel together. We're not going to sing it, we're just going to say it. And I don't know how we're going to get on the same page here, but we're just going to give it our best shot. But Emmanuel, say it with me, Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to enter a time of communion, and I pray that that will be the refrain as you take the bread and you dip it in the cup. There are a lot of things for us to remember, but that is the most important, that God is with us. God is with you, and he is with me. Some of our elders and leaders are going to be over here to the side where you see the Next Steps banner. If you want to pray or if you want to talk about what it looks like to be a part of a church or what it looks like to walk with Jesus, we want to do that with you. And so we'll be over there by the Next Steps class. But would you pray with me as we close this morning? Father, we are thankful for your faithfulness to us. Thankful that you never gave up on your people through doubts and fears anxieties through crafting golden calves, from not listening, being disobedient, you consistently and continually pursue us. Father, I'm thankful for the season that we've had as a church to look at the book of Exodus, to see the beauty of Jesus displayed through this narrative. So I pray that there would be fruit that will come from learning and understanding your word, a deep longing to pour over the scriptures. But this isn't just one story but in, in, the, in one book, but it is one story in an entire volume of books that you have put together for our good and for your glory. So as we enter into a time of response, I pray that you would remind us of all that you've done for us. Remind us of where we've been, the stuff that we put in the tabernacle of our own lives, the garments that we wear, the scars that we carry, the baggage that we lug around. Remind us of where we've been and then give us a hope that we're going to a day where all things are made new and all is made right in the world. So Lord, we love you and we trust you we thank you for your son, Jesus, the true and better Moses, who's come to tabernacle among us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Amen.